everybody and welcome to an Inningard recording in relation to the employment law issues which are being thrown up by the current coronavirus crisis, which is affecting the global economy and workers and employees everywhere. Um, we thought it would be helpful for us to just run through um, in a short presentation for you some of the issues that our employers in various different jurisdictions are facing. We are joined today by a number of experts from our Inningard group of employment advisors. So we are joined by Carl Fredrik Hedestorm, who is our Inningard advisor for Morris Law in Sweden. We're joined by Juanjo Fernandez from Barcelona in Spain. Um, we are also joined by um, his co colleague Laia, who is also from Barcelona in Spain. Um, we are joined by Colleen Cleary from CC Solicitors in Dublin in Ireland. And finally, we are joined by Michelle Stutz from MME Solicitors in Switzerland. So I'm going to start by really just um, getting you all to give us a bit of an update. Um, and I should also just say that we're recording this on the 24th of March. I say that because in most jurisdictions, this is a daily changing landscape. And so we just want to make sure that you know when we recorded it so that you can adapt any takeaways from it based on what might have changed since then. So I'm going to ask, first of all, for people just to give us a summary of really what's going on in your current countries at the moment in terms of any lockdown provisions you have in place, any orders that businesses have been given to close, for example, uh, shops or restaurants or bars, and what impact that has had on the employees and workers in those services and sectors. So if we might just start with you, Michelle, to give us a, an overview of what's going on in Switzerland at the moment. Yes, sure. Thank you, Sarah. Well, in Switzerland, um, all non-essential stores are currently closed, also restaurants and bars. Essential stores are, of course, food stores and pharmacy. And uh, due to a new ordinance, we have uh, just for a week now, self-employed persons who are affected by these lockdowns, uh, they get government uh, indemnity provided they have no insurance. The construction sites and industrial sites are still mainly open, but quite disputed since it is difficult to comply with all the health and distance rules. It should be two meters at least between two people. So uh, also a lot of people are moving at the end of the uh, months, end of March. So uh, the government said movers are still allowed, but also there it's very difficult to ensure space between workers. Uh, that's very difficult. Uh, so the situation is like uh, all over Europe quite dramatic. Thanks Michelle. Um, and in terms of um, what's going on in Spain, um, we've got Laia Cara and Juan Jose Fernandez. Does one of you want to just give us a summary of what the position is in Spain? I think you're under quite severe lockdown. Laya, are you building Yeah, I don't know if Juan who just <laughs> can hear us. So I will just um, step in for a quick overview. So everything is closed here, just as Switzerland in Spain, everything is closed except for supermarkets, pharmacies. So um, industry, distribution, um, factories can be open now, but um, as a matter of fact, it's very difficult to ensure that measures of prevention of professional hazards are um, accomplished. So um, right now the situation is quite uh, the lockdown. 
Uh, we are expecting maybe uh, some more changes from the government, but we don't know how is it going to be, um, so we don't have any news yet. And um, right now, what we do really, what we do know now is that uh, the state of alarm that was declared by the Spanish government on March 14th has now been extended until uh, April 11th. So this is the current situation now in Spain. Thank you. And Colleen, what's going on in Dublin and Ireland? Colleen, do you, are you able to give us a summary of what's happening in Dublin and Ireland? Yes, sure. Sorry for the, the little bit of a delay there. Well, we're probably on our 10th day of kind of restricted lockdown at the moment. Um, effectively, the schools have been shut for that number of days. Um, restaurants, bars are also shut. Um, uh, supermarkets, pharmacies are open. Um, uh, so, I mean, there is kind of limited um, movement at the moment, but there is going to be a further announcement, I think, imminently in the next few hours where there's going to be further social restrictions. I'm not sure it's going to be a complete lockdown, but there'll be further social restrictions around playgrounds, uh, public gatherings, etc. So we're going to go into phase two. We've had more kind of, I suppose, as a, a gradual sort of type lockdown. We're kind of all a little bit more used to it. Most people are all working from home. Those people, and it's really sort of the supermarkets and pharmacies and public services, which are still kind of busy at the moment. Um, so that's a kind of general picture. We're waiting kind of imminently for that next piece for the lockdown. In terms of the impact on the economy, it's been really significant and serious. Uh, even, I think, last week there was a recording of up to 140,000 people have lost their jobs. There's been a series of measures that have been put into place um, to uh, give illness benefit those people that are self-isolating, illness benefit for those people that are suffering from the, the condition. And also there is a flat rate um, for people that have been essentially laid off but not terminated. Now this is again going to imminently change in the next hour or so. There's going to be an announcement that the uh, government are going to put a huge package together up to worth, uh, up to value about 15 billion, where they're going to seek to pay 70, 80, 70 to 80% of salaries of all workers up to um, 70 or 80% of all workers up to 35,000 or 40,000. And essentially, but essentially, though, that the, the, the so that's going to protect the, the, the working employees. That's um, but, but that's going to be on the basis that the employer can prove that he's got liquidity difficulty and that his income has dropped by 25%. That's really kind of helpful. Again, there's there's new changes as well for um, income benefit for self employed, too. And I think with the new changes about to be announced as well, that's going to increase as well. Um, they do realize that. They're going to devastate the economy um, if we don't do something for the people that are continuing to be employed and if we don't do something around the redundancy. So very serious situation um, going on at the moment here, unfortunately. Uh, but we are we're much we're very used to the restrictions now and, and people are complying when we didn't really have the panic um, and we're kind of adapting quite quickly to the whole process. Thanks, Colleen. And finally, Carl Frederick, what's the position in Sweden? Well, it, it seems like the the spread of, of the virus has not come as far in Sweden as in a lot of other jurisdictions. We don't have any lockdowns really in place. Uh, we, we have a restriction for uh, gatherings of more than 500 people and uh, higher education has gone over to remote education. So universities and, uh, and gymnasiums that is like uh, 10th to 12th grade, they have homeschooling right now. 
but uh, primary schools are open, uh, shops are open, restaurants are open, although there is, of course, a recommendation, especially for Stockholm, where most of the uh, most of the cases have been this far, uh, that if you can work from home, you should work from home. So uh, most white-collar workers that can are working from home, but there are no sort of official shutdowns of anything. Uh, although that restaurants and everything are very hard hit because no one's going there uh, anyway. So I think that there's been a decline in the, in, in visits to to that sort of uh, facilities with about 70 or 80 percent. So uh, just as a comparison, during the worst time in uh, in the 2000 in the financial crisis 2008, we had around 20,000 layoffs in one month uh, or in in this case terminations then uh, and we're up at that level for march already so, uh, so it's it's very tough here as well and the government has gone in with short time work that is that the government pays up to uh, 55 percent of someone's salary and you go down 60 percent of your working time we'll come back to that i guess uh, but uh, it's comparison to to uh, a lot of other countries like Spain and Italy, we're not as hard hit yet. Not by the disease, but maybe just as hard hit economically. Thank you. And just to summarise where we are in the UK, we have had very recent guidance to say, or, or uh, guidance, or rather I should say rules to say that we are not allowed to go out unless it is to go to work where we cannot work from home or is to do one form of exercise a day. So you're allowed out once to exercise, um, so running or cycling, for example, or walk. Um, and we are allowed to go to get essentials such as the supermarket, we can go and get food and we can go to the pharmacy. But other than that, we're not allowed outside um, and we're not allowed to go and visit people in different houses and things like that. Um, and the obvious impact on workers in that context is that to the extent that people have had their workplace closed, they will often not be able to work. And a lot of those people also, unfortunately, are not in a position to work from home. So a number of you mentioned that things like restaurants and the economic impact in the restaurant and retail and hospitality sector here has been significant because often they are the employees who are unable to work from home. And we will come back later to talk about what measures governments have put in place. And our government have announced a scheme whereby it's called the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme, whereby the government step in and pay up to 80% or capped at a maximum of £2,500 a month for of an employee's wages during the time that that employee doesn't have any work to do. So I think the position across Europe appears to be broadly similar in a number of different countries. Um, and I suppose we always look to our neighbours to see what's working where and what's not working and the impact it's having so that we can try and plan ahead. Um, so moving on to a few specifics that we see uh, our employer clients trying to grapple with at the moment. One obvious issue is sick pay. Um, it's obviously become less talked about in the last couple of weeks as things have moved forward and as in fact a bigger problem appears to be that people can't get to work and workplaces are closed but it's nevertheless still an issue because people may be able to work from home and yet be sick um, because they've actually got symptoms of the virus or people may be still required to actually go to work but not be able to go to work because they are either sick or they are self-isolating following various different government guidance to stay away and in their own homes and not go out at all for a number of days. In the UK, 
our self-isolation guidelines are either for seven or 14 days, depending on whether you either have the symptoms of the virus or you live with someone who has the symptoms of the virus or have been in contact with someone who's got the virus. Um, so people may be required to stay away from the workplace for that period of time and not attend work. Now, in uh, the circumstances where someone can work from home, in the UK, the law says that they should work from home if they're isolating rather than be entitled to sick pay. But if someone cannot do their job by reason of following the government's self-isolation guidelines, then they are entitled to statutory sick pay. So that's the sick pay that effectively is um, ordered by the government. Um, it is not necessarily paid by the government, and I'll come on to speak about that. And obviously, if someone is sick and actually unwell, they qualify for statutory sick pay as well. Um, same um, idea as this is exactly the same sick pay as if you're self-isolating, as I described. And if someone is caring for someone who has symptoms of coronavirus, they also qualify for that type of sick pay as well. It used to be the case that our sick pay kicked in after day three of absence. So you got no pay for the first three days and then you got sick pay on day four. That rule, um, we're told, is changed so that in fact sick pay entitlement kicks in on day one of absence and the rate of sick pay in the UK is £94.25 a week so it's significantly lower than an equivalent national minimum wage for a 35 hour a week worker for example um, so it's about a quarter of the normal national minimum wage and so it'd just be interesting to hear from you all what the equivalent provisions are for sort of a minimum standard of sick pay in your countries Obviously, what this doesn't cover is any contractual enhancements that employers might want to make to sick pay. Um, but it would be good just to understand what the basic minimum entitlements are. And shall we start um, again? Let's start with Michelle from Switzerland. Yes, in Switzerland, we have a relatively short uh, time period for statutory sick pay. It's only three weeks in the first year, uh, four weeks in the second year. So that's really uh, an issue here. So all the attractive employers, they have an additional insurance that will cover 80% of the salary during sickness uh, up to 720 or 730 days. Um, because the scale that applies there, that's very, sh uh, very short. Uh, in terms of self-isolation, we have a new ordinance that was uh, set into force a week ago. So if someone is part of the vulnerable group, so elderly people, uh, people with cancer or respi respiratory problems, etc., so um, they have to uh, work from home. And as in the UK, if work from home is not possible, then they still uh, get their salary. Uh, from from the employer, um, people do they get their do they sorry? get their full salary in that circumstance, Michelle? They, so they're yes, they get yes, exactly. They get their full salary uh, in that circumstances. That's that's correct. And if somebody stays home uh, who is not uh, part of the vulnerable group but is just scared, he wouldn't get his salary uh, unless he's able to work from home, of course. Um, there are, like in the UK and everywhere, uh, many employees who cannot work from home and there, um, if you are part of the vulnerable group and uh, safety measures cannot be taken, uh, you know, you, you can stay home and you get the salary. Thank you. Um, and Carl Frederick, what's happening in Sweden with sick pay? Well, our, our general system has always been that you get sick pay from your employer for the first two weeks and the first day is a qualifying day. 
uh, that's have been changed now. So you get sick from day one and there, so there's no qualifying day and the government has taken over the whole responsibility for sick pay from day one as well. Uh, there's no need for any, uh, any uh, doctor's note either after seven days. You can just sort of call in sick and the, and the government will, will pay for it. Uh, the government payments are 80% of a cap of around 35,000 euro per year in salary, so it's not that high. Uh, but most collective agreements and most white-collar workers also have uh, additional, additional coverage by private insurance if they, if they get sick. Uh, if, if, you, if you can work from home, you will work from home naturally, as I said before, and you will get paid. If it's impossible for you to work from home, but you're still sent home by the employer because they cannot adhere to the work environment issues right now, you will also get full pay, and that's paid by the employer. So the only way for the employer to solve that is actually to terminate the employee. Uh, if you have to stay home because you have a sick kid and that, that child is under the age of 12, you will also get remuneration for the government, 80% of your salary, up to a higher cap actually, I think it's around 50,000 euros per year. Uh, and uh, if you're actually having the disease or you suspect to have the disease, you will be considered as being sick, so you can be home with sick pay, uh, paid by the government. So that's the current situation in Sweden. Thank you. And um, Laia, what's the position in Spain? So, well, in Spain, um, there is a main distinction between sick pay due to work accident and sick pay due to um, general uh, disease. So, uh, sick pay due to general disease in Spain um, you don't get paid during the first three days and after the fourth day um, you get paid 60% uh, of the social security base which is a maximum uh, of 3050 euros approximately um, and then progressively increasing but uh, if you get sick and you get sick pay for due to work accident, from the first day you perceive 75% of, of the social security contribution base. Uh, in this case, what the Spanish government has done is to set forth a criteria stating that um, isolation situations or illness due to the coronavirus will be considered as work accident. So in this case, employees are entitled to perceive 75% of the social security contribution base since uh, the day after their absence from work. This is also applicable to self-isolation uh, uh, situations, as I said. And uh, there is, um, there is a, a controversy because, um, as in many other countries, applicable collective bargaining agreements may set forth or also uh, private agreements within a, a company or with a, with a particular employee set forth a complement um, that um, makes the employer to pay an additional compensation. However, in this case, it is not clear if this would be applicable as what the Spanish government criteria says is that this situation is similar to work accident, but it is not clear yet if this will be exactly 
as this as if it was a work accident so um we expect the course to clarify this in the future um right now our advice is not to not to pay this this component in here in spain so this is basically the situation thank you and um, colleen what's the sick pay position in ireland sorry in ireland um We lost Colleen. Yeah. Can you hit, sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Sorry, Sarah. So the position is that uh, under Irish law, an employer isn't obliged to pay any sick pay, but an employee is entitled after six, six days to claim social welfare. So sick pay is generally regulated by the contract employment, but in light of the emergency situation, the position is this, um, that effectively, if anybody is um, diagnosed with coronavirus or if somebody is required to effectively um, self-isolate, they will be entitled to enhanced illness benefit. So if somebody is has symptoms, they can go on to enhanced illness benefit from day one. That also applies now to self-employees too. The national insurance contributions have been um, are kind of uh, equal for both parties uh, to be able to claim for that. So there is now illness benefit if you have coronavirus. Alternatively, if you've been required to self-isolate um, because uh, you have been, you know, the, the self-isolation period here is 14 days, either because you have symptoms or because you've had close contact or we've come back from an affected area, you are also entitled to a two-week um, flat rate again of, of 305 euros, which is up from the, the, normal, um, the, the normal kind of statutory sick rate, which is around 205. So that's the position in relation to uh, those employees. Then obviously if employees are required to stay home um, because of their employer, because of the risk of coronavirus, they are effectively laid off and then they can apply for this um, for job seekers benefit, um, which I think things are going to change in relation to that. So there's no point in me saying what the position is explicitly in relation to that, because I think it's a movable feast here, as, as I think we all appreciate what's going to happen it's you know it's day by day at the moment so i think there's going to be some enhanced arrangements for employees um uh, due to be announced any I, I think any minute really thank you and it's probably just worth um me mentioning a couple of points on the uk position so one is that we had quite a shift in the last couple of weeks as to who bears the financial responsibility for sick pay for some employers and i hear that obviously it varies across different countries but in the uk it used to be that the employer paid all the sick pay so although it was mandated by statute so it was um, effectively a compulsory payment the employer paid it Historically, the employer had actually claimed that back from the government, but not, not more recently. But they've introduced help for um, small to medium-sized businesses. So businesses of less than 250 employees can reclaim up to 14 days per employee um, of sick pay at the statutory rate to help them with the costs of that. And one other thing that I noticed a few people mentioned that if someone was self-isolating, I think it's in Switzerland, Michelle, you said that if someone is self-isolating because they are in a vulnerable group, then they would be entitled to be categorised as sick for the purposes of sick pay. And at the moment in the UK, that is not necessarily the position for everyone who will be self-isolating in that group. So, for example, the position with regard to someone who is pregnant, who has been advised to reduced to as much degree as possible any contact with the outside world 
they may not be entitled to sick pay and um, contrast someone who has been specifically ordered by our government and that people are getting written to this week if they've got particular underlying medical conditions if you've be, received that order to self-isolate you would be entitled to sick pay so we're still hoping for some clarity around that issue in the UK um, because there are obviously additional issues which employers will need to contend with around the health and safety and ensuring the health and safety of the workers that they have in the workplace if people are still going to work particularly those people who might be more vulnerable and employers in the uk certainly will just need to be very cautious about what steps they need to take to protect the health and safety of those workers and also whether or not they should in fact be asking those workers to stay at home and in that case there's quite a reasonable chance that those workers would be entitled to pay if it's the employer who's asking them to stay at home um, one issue that I'd like to just discuss briefly with everyone is what's happening about the people who are having to go home from work and are unable to work at home, but they have to be at home because they're looking after children where schools are closed. And um, certainly the position here is that albeit an employee would be entitled to have that time off to actually be at home and not work to look after a child where there's been a disruption to the education provision for the children, i.e. a school closure. There's no statutory entitlement to payment for that and it will very much depend upon agreement with the employer and also whether or not that employee and the employer can work out an arrangement whereby that person can work around those hours that um, the child is normally in school. So I just wanted to know quickly what the position is around um, your jurisdictions because it's a question that gets asked quite a lot. Um, Colleen, if, do you want to just quickly tell us the position in Ireland for people kids off school? Yeah, um, I mean, it was a big issue for us like 10 days ago when, when the schools did close. Um, so it's kind of, we've moved on from that, I suppose. But from our, our, from our position, um, the situation is that it's not, it doesn't, it's not specifically categorised as any type of leave. People are advised to take parental leave, compassionate leave or unpaid leave. Um, so, you know, it, it really is a matter of agreement as to whether people... Um, uh, if people can't, because the schools shut, they have to stay at home. People are, are seem to be kind of working it out. There's some some schools are being kept open for key workers. That's the health service workers that are coming in, and that <laughs> seems to be um, the position in relation to that. But it really is a question. I think it's it's a question really of like everybody agreeing and discussing that. And I think people are being a lot more flexible about the fact that you know that while. Strictly speaking, if you're looking after children at home, you're not, you may not necessarily be able to work at the full rate. But people are just accepting that that is the situation. It's all about flexibility here at the moment in relation to that. Thank you. And Carl Frederick, uh, if schools are closed in Sweden, what is the usual position for uh, parents if they can't go to work? Well, as I think I mentioned, there is regulations if a, if a child is sick, then a parent can be home with 80% of her salary under our Temporary Parental Leave Act. If the schools will close, uh, that's an open question because then, of course, there isn't a, the child isn't sick in that sense. Uh, the schools are still open, and I think this is the main reason for it. And there's also been legislation now that if they have to close, they will still be open for uh, parents that have essential uh, positions due to the to the outbreak, like uh, healthcare workers, uh, other you know, police, uh, and the like. So there will be some sort of government taking care of sort of facilities for kids up to I guess age of 
12 or 13 or something like that, if that happens. Uh, this far, uh, the, 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 the sort of general line has been that it will cost more than it will save us to close the schools. So, uh, so the schools are open up on the ninth grade and will, there's no sort of imminent threat that they're going to be closed uh, right now anyway. Uh, for, for, for different reasons that are more of a healthcare reasons than labor issues. But, uh, but if they will be closed, I'm sure there will be some sort of compensation for parents that have, will have to stay at home then. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I should just say in the UK, we have the same position that the schools are closed except for uh, the children of key workers. So as you say, healthcare, police, uh, fire, emergency services, and supermarket workers, for example, delivery drivers. Um, Michelle, what's the position when schools close in Switzerland for parents? Um, the general rule is if, I mean, if the child is sick, then it's clear you have three days to look for someone who can look after the child. If the schools are just closed and the child, the children are not sick, then we have a new ordinance now uh, that entered into force also a week ago because all schools are closed here. And uh, there you now have a state pay uh, if, if you're a parent and you cannot work because of that, you have to look after your children. And if you don't get paid by your employer and if you have no other insurance, there is a subsidiary um, state pay for this. And Laia, finally, what, what's the Spanish position for school closures to protect employees who might then need to, to not work to look after their children? So, well, during the state of alarm, uh, there has been a new um, regulation that allows employees to unilaterally um, reduce their working hours up to 100% with a proportional reduction of the salary. This means that, for example, um, if you have a child and you really cannot go to work, you can reduce your working hours up to 100%. However, you will not be entitled to perceived salary. Um, you can also reduce it um, in the proportion that you, that you want. Um, and uh, there is no need for an authorization of the employer. There is only need uh, for the employee to notify the um, employer with a prior notice of 24 hours. This measure will only be available during the state of alarm. As I said, for now, it will be until April 11th. Then um, if, the, if, the, if the child is sick or has symptoms, then the person taking care of, of the child or, or, as, or of any other person um, will have to, to be isolated as well for medical reasons and then will be uh, able to get a medical certificate that uh, will consider this situation as a work accident and will be entitled to sick pay as well. However, if the child or the person that, uh, that the employee has to take care of is not sick, then the only option is to, the, to voluntarily reduce the working hours. And there is, at this moment, no uh, public uh, pay set forth for this case. Thank you very much. And Obviously, this covers what the employer's obligations are in circumstances where employees can't come to work for a variety of different reasons. 
But a number of employers are looking at a different issue, which is that of a reduced amount of work to be done. And in fact, maybe looking for employees not to come to work on a more permanent or at least long term temporary basis to enable them to, uh, you know, cut, save wage bills, for example, uh, and to take steps to keep the business alive from a financial perspective. And so I just wanted to turn now to, um, first of all, you know, what the options are for employers at the moment in terms of um, reducing the financial obligations that they have to employees and thinking about things like redundancies or reducing hours of work and reducing pay and then also how that ties into the government assistance that's been introduced in various different jurisdictions and I know Colleen that in Ireland you're waiting for an announcement about an update to the government assistance which sounds like it will be more similar to what we had announced on Friday of last week and so I appreciate you may there may be a limit to how much you can comment on that but it would be great just to hear what's going on at the moment uh, and appreciating that these situations may and are all evolving. Um, so if we start with you, Colleen, in Ireland, in terms of what options employers have, I suppose under the law as it stands and stood before this, and um, things like redundancies, but also how the potential government help will um, change that and change the options, options that employers have available to them. Well, there's just, there was a, a huge pressure because I think what they had originally introduced was kind of a financial system that was going to assist employers where they laid off staff. And they made some, they kind of gave a baseline amount of how much staff would receive while, while on layoff, which was, which was fine and also covered the self-employed. Um, then they made another change where it would be the employer that would pay that directly to, to avoid, so that it, and they would, the state would then reimburse the employer. But the pressure was mounting, as I was saying, because you know, business was saying, well, what are you going to do about the business that needs to keep going? And how are, you going to insist how are you going to insist employers to continue to run their business and small businesses? Because this is quite different to the 2009. This is a, you know, a national pandemic, international pandemic. And it's, you know, uh, an incredible situation which really does need a one-off solution. And the pressure was building from the, um, from the, from ICTU, um, trade union bodies, and um, from IBEC as well, the employer bodies are all on the same page that, you know, where, you know, you need to put your hand in your pocket to help the SMEs, the, the employers, to keep business going. So that's why that proposal is coming, where they're suggesting that they will pay um, 78 percent uh, of an employee's salary, up to 35,000, 40,000 euro, um, for those to keep workers on board. Um, but there's going to be some kind of threshold testing for that, which we we'll just have to wait and see. And they're also going to increase, I think, the amount potentially. Again, not 100% clear whether that's going to happen or not, as to the, how much people are going to receive while on layoff. And I think it's really important to keep people in business rather than to have people laid off and not working. And like, you know, I think. There's a lot of innovation gone into that uh, and that thinking into that that proposal, which I would be happy about, um, you know, because I think that's about helping help keeping the economy going during the during this time. Um, and then, of course, then we have the position in regard to redundancy, because if somebody's laid off at the moment, they can trigger a statutory redundancy payment if they've been laid off for four weeks. And I think the governments were really concerned that the employees would turn around, look for the redundancy payments from the employer and the employer put their hands up and say, we can't pay. And then they would look to the state to help them. So I think economically, 
they've had to sort of really look at things in the round here because it's just it's unsustainable and i think that's why they've, they've gone for a kind of a 15 billion package and they're basically just going to lend, loan the money there's going to be a big payoff at the end of the year at the end of the day um you would hope and i think there will be but you know somebody there's going to be a, a big fallout would think about who pays for this to keep the state going but i think it has to be it has to be the case um because the business there is business here i think we've got to be optimistic that it will revitalize post-covid um and that you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back um and we need to keep visitors going that have been able to keep going because there's already like i said huge redundancies and mass layoffs already Thank you. And Carl Frederick, you have obviously said that the lockdown position in Sweden is not nearly as strict as it is in the other jurisdictions that we have um, contributing today. But nevertheless, you mentioned that a number of industries are still quite badly impacted and um, the levels similar to the 2008-2013 crisis. What support is being put in place for businesses? You uh, sort of alluded to some earlier, but do you want to just talk us through what's available to businesses who are impacted? Yeah. Well, since, since the economies are integrated, I think Volvo was the last car, car manufacturer in Europe to close down. They did so on yesterday, actually. Uh, so there were 25,000 people being sent home from there. Uh, so what the government has done uh, is that, first of all, they have given the companies the possibility to delay all tax and social security payments for the first uh, now six months of the year. So if you already paid in tax or social security contributions, you can get it back from the tax agency to handle your liquidity problems. That of course is, some, is a loan. It will have to be repaid later on, probably, uh, unless the rules change, of course. Then the, the, there was a surge in redundancy. We don't have layoffs if you have, you know, either you're redundant and you have to go with a notice period or, or you keep on working, so to speak. Uh, so uh, there was a new legislation enacted uh, for short time work. Uh, and that means that uh, you uh, can send people home for up to 60% of the working time and the employees will keep 92.5% of the salary and the government will pay 53% of that. So in, in essence, the, the employees cut their, uh, employers will cut their salary costs down to 32.5% uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the salary cost. Uh, the system has just been enacted. You haven't been able to apply for it yet. The way it will work is that employers, employers will have to continue to pay 92.5% of the employee's salary. And then they apply for this and they will get reimbursed through the tax account. And that was, that those reimbursements will start to get going in, 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 in April. Uh, so it doesn't really help small businesses. Uh, so there are new, new that, that have uh, bad liquidity. So uh, there are new sort of suggestions that are discussed right now by the, by the government. But that's sort of the main plan. Otherwise, you have to go for redundancies or individual agreements, of course, uh, leave of, you know, non-paid leave of absence or, 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 or similar. But most, most employers right now are using this short-time work provision to cut their cost. Thank you. And Laia, what's the position in Spain? So what the Spanish government has basically done to um, help business here in Spain, um, first of all, has been to, to allow to, to delay the payment of taxes. However, it doesn't allow the, to delay the payment of social security contributions. 
um, there had been um, also there are there are uh, some loans, some public loans available that are uh, given to businesses under certain requirements as well. But uh, the the main um, objective of uh, the Spanish government has been uh, not to stop the 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 the, econo the economy, the, the the industry, and uh, the government has strongly encouraged empl employers to uh, make their employees telework and uh, this has been uh, the the main uh, direction of all policies and guidance so um, also for employers uh, there's an option um, to reduce uh, the working hours or to suspend employment contracts due to force majeure for all these businesses that are listed on the on the annex of the law that declared the state of alarm because this law um, specifically set forth that um, certain kinds of businesses had to close their doors and if you are one of those kind of businesses then you can um, request a suspension of employment contracts and uh, or a reduction of working hours of your employees and um, this option um, allows employers to cut costs not only in salaries but also in social security contributions it would not happen the same if the suspension of employment contracts or the, the reduction of working hours was not due to force majeure but due to indirect um, indirect consequences of the coronavirus which would be for example under productive organizational grounds and in this case the employer could cut costs because the employer would not be obliged to pay salaries but the employer would be obliged to pay to keep paying social security contributions so um, these have been basically the the the, the 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 issues that the the government has been working in in order to to help business here in spain thank you it's interesting that um a few of you have said that the government have delayed the payments for tax and social security payments um at the moment in the uk we haven't had that announcement so uh, tax for self-employed people has been deferred so there's normally a payment of tax for self-employed people in January and then also in July and the July payment has been deferred to January we've had a deferral of our VAT payments that are going to be due by businesses in June of the up until June of this year but so far there's been no announcement and no discussion of a forthcoming announcement in relation to deferral of the payment of income tax which the employers collect on behalf of the government or of national insurance so social security contributions so that's something that we in the UK um, are really hopeful that there might be some shift and the other kind of big gaping hole in the UK provisions as we speak right now but that is under review by the government is for self-employed workers there's obviously a huge number of people across all our jurisdictions who are self-employed working in the gig economy um, and that, that those people at the moment don't have much protection at all other than the normal benefit system which doesn't leave them particularly well protected so we're going to be watching carefully over the next uh, few days to see what might change and just before I come to you, Michelle, to, to finish off our discussion about what the position is in Switzerland, I'll just run through 
broadly what the position is in the UK. I've obviously touched on the fact that there's some government help in place. And essentially that is so that people avoid making people redundant. In the UK, as is the, um, quite common across European jurisdictions, we have laws protecting people from redundancy. So in order for an employee to be made redundant, an employer has to go through a proper consultation process and has to satisfy that there is actually a genuine redundancy, which essentially means that there's less work available or that there's a closure of a workplace. So a lot of the situations that we're seeing in practice would satisfy the legal definition of redundancy. Um, and what would then happen is after the consultation process, the employees being made redundant would be entitled to a redundancy pay uh, payment, which is um, means that an employee needs to have two years service, but it's calculated on the basis of their length of service and their weekly wage, and it's capped at a certain statutory amount. There are a couple of different other options employers in the UK can avail themselves of. So one of those is layoff, which is not to be confused with redundancy itself. Layoff is a temporary solution where an employer can effectively suspend the provision of work and pay to an employee for four or six weeks, depending on how it actually operates in practice. Um, and that is really to address short time um, kind of reduction in in work that's available to give to the employees, but employers should have a contractual right to do that before they start going to lay off employees. And similarly, we've got a provision which allows employers to put employees on short time working, which is when they get paid less than half, half of their normal weekly pay because there's less than half the work available. Um, but again, that's envisaged to be a short term measure and not instead of say permanent redundancy. So in light of the risk of a lot of employees being exposed to those measures and to redundancy itself, the government introduced the scheme that, as I mentioned, the coronavirus job retention scheme, which pays 80% of an employee's pay up to a limit of £2,500 a month. Um, and we are still waiting for the finer details of that scheme. But what we would want to um, really encourage employers in the UK to do. As Colleen mentioned, it's really important that you know employers do their bit to kind of keep the economy going and to keep money flowing through the system. And obviously, if if people stop getting paid, people stop spending any money. Um, so it's um, a really good scheme that's available, and we would encourage people to try and use that scheme where possible, rather than looking at redundancy from an employer's perspective as well, there's no need to make a redundancy payment if they do that scheme. So it's hopefully better for everyone. Um, so that's the UK position. And just to really cover off with us, um, it'd be great, Michelle, if you could just summarize to us the position in Switzerland in terms of government help um, so that we can understand what's going on there as well. Um, yes, thank you. I think the main measure now to avoid redundancies in Switzerland is the short-term work benefit. That's uh, a law that we already had before. Uh, the condition is that uh, you have a reduction in working, in working hours of at least 10% as an average in your enterprise. And then the state will pay 80% of the shortage in work. Um, we have a new ordinance now that entered into force a week ago, which makes uh, this whole proceeding much easier and less bureaucratic. Um, and it is also easier now to even get these benefits for uh, employees who are the owners or husband and wife of the owners who before didn't get any benefits 
also employees with limited contracts or landed employees now get these benefits which was not possible before. Also, we had a, a waiting period before of three and then two days that has been completely abolished, so there is no uh, waiting period. We had really a lot of applications, around 21,000 employers have, apply, uh, have applied for short-term work for over 315,000 employees during the uh, last few weeks. And then as regards uh, redundancies, termination of contracts, there we have no uh, change in law because in Switzerland, as you know, we have the freedom to terminate contracts. We have no severance payments, so the employer is free to do a redundancy or even a, a mass dismissal after consultation of the uh, employees. We have other measures similar to uh, what you all just uh, talked about. We have uh, public loans and also social security has been partially deferred and uh, VIT. That's uh, an overview over the measures in Switzerland. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, I think that really covers most of the key issues. There's clearly a, a big um, a large number of issues that we could discuss in this conversation. We are living in unprecedented times. I don't think any of us have lived through something like this in our lifetimes. And yes, people are making comparisons to the previous financial crisis that we had, but what makes this particularly unique is that it's not just about the financial impact. There's a huge human and health impact of this particular current coronavirus crisis. And employers are really trying to manage their economic obligations to their employees, um, their um, desire and will to keep the business running, um, which has a wider economic impact in society, with their health and safety obligations and their obligations to look after their employees. And I mentioned that both in the context of actually trying to do what they can to prevent them having to go out and potentially um, infect themselves or infect others, but also the health and safety obligations that come with having a large number of the workforce home working and the challenges that come along with that. So there are, there's a lot that we could talk about. We've really just scratched the surface, um, but we are all here to support you if you're an employer during this time um, and reach out to any of us, including any of our other Inningard members in other jurisdictions. Um, we have people across the globe ready and willing to help you uh, with any questions you might have. We will aim to keep sharing our collective expertise and experiences in relation to this as things progress and obviously check back um, with us and with our respective members individual websites if you have got particular queries or if you want to know what the up-to-date position is as it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. I'd also just say that if you are going to be taking any difficult decisions with your employees and your business, uh, you, you know, it's, Obviously, you're well advised to check your contracts, your provisions, your policies, which may impact what you can and can't do specifically in your company. But also make sure that you check the up-to-date position because this is changing on a really um, fast basis. Um, and also just, you know, bear in mind that what we've given is just a very high level overview. So it always makes sense to just check the specifics before you take any difficult decisions. But we are here to help you and do reach out if you need anything. Um, and we'd be very pleased to have a discussion. I speak for all of our Inningard members with any employers who might be struggling and in difficulty, um, not knowing what to do at this time. Um, and then um, let's hope that, you know, we all get through this and that we come out stronger than we 
were before. So we thank you very much for listening to us um, and do share this with your contacts and your friends and your colleagues if you think it would be helpful for them and keep a check on what we're up to um, and for other resources that we will be hopefully putting out over the next few weeks. Um, I thank all the participants today. So thank you to um, Carl Frederick, thank you to Colleen, thank you to Laia, thank you to Juan Jose, who's been quite quiet but has been listening along, um, and thank you to Michelle. Um, and thank you all for listening. <laughs>